Hey, I'm Ginger. And I'm Don Zell. And you're listening to Misplaced Life. We'll be exploring the many ways in which our lives often feel misplaced. From emotions to experiences, from relationships to situationships, careers, ideologies, philosophies. You name it, we'll talk about it. Because you may often feel like you're in the wrong place. But you're always living the right life. Hey, Donzel. Hey, Ginger. What's up? Nothing. What are you doing? Sitting across from you waiting to start this I podcast. I know. And I'm so excited. <laughs> We're back in the studio. I know. We've done a couple of virtual or call-ins, but yeah. we haven't been in person six feet apart six for feet all of the COVID police quarantine, out there. Clean quarantine. <laughs> clean you quarantine. You name it. We're I've been it. tested multiple times. Yeah. In many different ways or many different things. They're all yeah, negative. Is, okay. <laughs> yeah. Okay. You know, I'm still single, so just letting everyone, yeah, those viewers, true. know the tests the are all negative. Okay. okay. Oh, well, that's good. Okay. <laughs> Sweet. Anyway, um, so glad to be back. It's been an awesome birthday weekend. I know. Happy birthday. Thank you. Um, so I have a question for you. 39. Okay, God. great. That wasn't the question. Oh, okay. I don't I don't think age exists. So um Yeah, I but never see, okay, I'm age. sorry, but everybody who says age is just a number, age doesn't exist, they're all under fucking forty. Yes. Right. Because exactly. I don't want to ever get to the point where I admit that I'm forty. And so okay. age cannot exist before forty. <laughs> okay. I'll give you that one. Uh, <laughs> but my question is, which uh happy birthday song did you have sang to you? Was um did you do the regular death happy birthday song or what's did you, that? I don't know about a death song. It's the one that Americans sing that sounds like a funeral song. Happy birthday yeah, yeah, yeah. to you. It's always yeah, the so one that you left me dead. on my the one that you left me on my voicemail? Um I sang my version. Oh, okay. Which was always upbeat. Oh. So it was the not death. It was the, yeah. But the happy then there's one. the Stevie Wonder version. Oh yeah, I know. Oh, I love the Stevie Wonder. Yeah, Stevie was probably busy this weekend. And oh, you wanted to him to sing it personally. I yeah. just thought regular people would sing it, but oh, yeah, I, I don't have connections to have Stevie <laughs> call me. Yeah. Well, you never know. A girl can dream. Anyway, um, I had a wonderful birthday. Thank you for your yes. messages. I want to talk about your cakes. You had a special cakes. Had- yes. Tell it was us about your cakes. a manifestation birthday cake. And so I decided this year because I was bored and had nothing to do really um, because it's COVID that I was going to collaborate with a friend of mine. Um, it's at LA custom cakes is his new company. Um, he's a talent producer. He's also an actor, but I've known him through my mm-hmm. life in the music business for quite a long time. And um, he was posting all these amazing cake, like, the decoration mm-hmm. on them is just, it's flawless and it's beautiful and it's intricate and it's original. They really were. Yeah. And so he started this business and then I was like, oh my God, I should have him do something for my birthday. And then it kind of morphed into this whole process of like, you know, having gratitude about all the things that I've tried to do this year and studied and worked for and just this sort of new chapter of my life. But how do I like bring all of that together in a cake? So the funny thing is the cake was just sort of like the symbol of the journey but I decided to do uh, three, I mean, I call them mini cakes, but they're like, you know, they're six inch in diameter, but they're, mm-hmm. you know, as tall as a skyscraper. Mm-hmm. Um, but we did, you know, like three different cakes to sort of celebrate like music, voiceover, podcasting was one. 
There was um, the hippie journalist, and then the other one was acting. That's um, amazing. And he had my logo and my favorite colors and all this other really fun stuff. What up, B? And um, we'll get to that in a minute. Sorry. Um, but and it was just it was just such an awesome process to like collaborate on something super creative. I mean, it really wasn't about the cake. It was just about the thinking mm-hmm. behind it and in yeah. front of it. And, and the intention. And the intention. Exactly. Yes. Like you and I talked about last time we spoke about, you know, resolutions versus intentions and, you know, choosing words or choosing. Yes. Yeah. Uh, those kinds of things. So it was amazing. His name is Michael Carney. And um, he's doing everything customized and to order. And he, it was amazing. And everything on it was edible. Like I'll put it, you know, and I'm going to post, I'll post a picture or something on our website or, you know, in the show notes or whatever, because it it really is something kind of wonderful. But my only problem with that whole situation was your birthday was maybe a week ago, not even a week ago. It was Friday. It was, yeah, it was Friday. Yeah. And you had three cakes. And none of them are left. Oh, no, there's, they're down the street at the neighbor's house waiting on us after our podcast. Oh, because normally, you know, when someone has birthday cake left over, I'm pretty sure people can agree with me that then someone will say, oh, my gosh, yes, did you want a slice? I got here and there was no slices of birthday cake offered to me. And I saw photo evidence of three amazing cakes. I gave you a gin and tonic. I wanted that and the birthday cake. <laughs> Anyhow. They're at the neighbor's house. Is it the neighbor's birthday? Oh, God. All right. We got to move on, dude. But I love you. Thank you for my birthday wishes. You're welcome. Um, speaking of birthdays, yeah. uh, another very special friend of mine is here as our guest. I know. I'm excited. Um, and, you know, we talk about it a lot. But just to remind everybody, the whole point of our podcast was to come together and talk about our stories about embracing our journey and understanding that, you know, even those times in life where things, things seem really shitty or you feel like you've made the wrong steps or the wrong decision, that every step of your life is part of that journey. And, um, you know, this guy that is here, I'm going to try not to cry, uh, has been a huge part of my life and of my journey. Um, he is an amazing, creative, crazy, funny, life-loving human um, that has brought so many fun times and joy and <laughs> hilarious times to my life and my family's life. Um, I met him through one of my best friends that I grew up with in Alabama. Who happens to be his wife. Uh, my husband was their neighbor. So they introduced me to my husband who is also the father of my two awesome kids. Uh, they even introduced me to the nanny that worked for us for 13 years and helped raise our children when I was working full-time. I mean, and that's just the personal side of it, uh, just the friendship side. But witnessing everything that I know about him and from when the time that I met him until who he is and where he is now, I have so much pride and gratitude and I just see him soar and he just gets better and better at what he's doing. And he's just always the person who will continue to just try to find new ways to be creative, but he always remains so true to himself and who he is and who his friends are. And so without getting too much more into it, because I want him to tell his own story, I want you to meet. Drum roll, please. 
Mr. Brian Bowen Smith. Yes. Yes. I think with an introduction like that, we should just end the show right now. and it'll <laughs> Never. Be, it'll be way better, I promise. No, well, you got the great story. I am uh, so excited to be here, and thank you both. I know, I get like and, birthday uh, dinner at our favorite place, Vito, I, and you for my podcast, like best birthday present ever. I know. Great. I feel like we should just sleep with each other to get it over with. <laughs> I'm kind of surprised we didn't. End. That's the one thing we haven't done as friends. But Well, I know. am drinking White Claw, you never yeah, know. Yeah, I, think, I don't think she Those wants to Those White Claws get you hooked. <laughs> uh, you would just be disappointed anyway. <laughs> anyway, so anyway, uh, in all seriousness, awesome to have you here. Pleasure to be really, here. Really, really appreciate you guys kind of like stepping out and coming down and doing this. But, you know, I know there's like the personal journey aspect of it and there's the professional journey and obviously they're both intertwined. But I would love for you to, you know, give us whatever information that you're comfortable with, especially in the personal stuff, because it's it's whatever you want to talk about. But I know from knowing you that like life wasn't always so easy and that just makes me even more inspired to see what you've done with your life as a father, as a professional, as a friend, and as a husband. So I just want you to, you know, give us give us a little overview about Brian Bowen Smith. And- um, well, I mean, it has been a, an interesting journey, to say the least. Um, and I think uh, it's funny you say, you know, like the, 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 the personal side and the struggle. It's, I think that kind of where I came from, the, the whole mentality was never – um, it, it was always kind of a struggle. It was a struggle uh, just, you know, getting through the day. It was a struggle walking to school. We had to, you know, we, we lived pretty far away from where we went to school. And I grew up in Syracuse, which is an upside town in New York. And um, there's lots of snow and it gets like lake effect winds. And so, you know, it's pretty, it's, it's, it's pretty tough in general. Even if you're a middle class family and you've got just like the perfect day-to-day heat and sealed windows, yeah. yeah, it's just kind of like one of those things where like you don't come home and take off your jacket and your shoes and sit on the couch. You know, you keep that shit on. It's like that cold. You know what I mean? And so you kind of you you know when you grow up like that, it becomes normal. So you don't really know what you're missing for for the most part. And and you know, in my generation, poor people hung out with more poor people for the most part. It was, it was one of those things where, you know, if you weren't cool, you just didn't hang out with the cool kids. So you never got invited to the, you know, the cool parties or the, you know, it wasn't until I figured out, uh, probably like sixth grade, I think I started uh, doing gymnastics. I was getting in trouble for, you know, just messing around at school. And so you had to go stay after school at the gym. And so, I, I was going quite often and they were just like, why don't you just do something instead of just, you know, just going to sit there, you know, and they wanted me to wrestle. Um, Cause you know, the gym said wrestling in one corner, yeah. gymnastics, it was all like inside in one big gym. And I'm like, you know, I had, I kind of had severe claustrophobia still do. So wrestling wasn't like, Hey, I would have been super good. I think because there's no way anyone's getting a hold of me. I'm like a little squirmy rat. Like I just, because the, the fear of getting in a headlock is terrifying to me. Yeah. Um, but the fact that, you know, there is someone that's going to kick your ass and you're going to get wound up like a pretzel. And I'm like, no, nah, I was done. You know, tap right away. Like, <laughs> I'm good. 
I quit. <laughs> no, thank uh, you. But then I started doing gymnastics. And um, I remember the first time I, I just impressed, like I saw in his face that he was shocked that I learned how to do something in one day, like so quickly. Like it wasn't like, it just, it was kind of easy. I was kind of pretty, I was a little, you know, I wasn't very big. You know what I mean? I had a lot of upper body strength. So I was kind of built to be a gymnast without knowing it. And when I started learning, I got addicted to the the reaction on people's faces or, or impressing someone. Cause then you're, you know, when you're a kid, like in a, you know, poor neighborhood and this and that, there's not really much you do to impress anyone. And most of our parents were shitheads and didn't show affection or like there was not, they're worried about buying milk. They don't give a shit if you got a, a good grade or if you scored a goal or you know what I mean? That it wasn't in their wheelhouse. They're just like not. And, and, and I think now that I'm older, I realized the pressures of what a single mother divorced twice that became a lesbian goes through not only mentally and, and for a long time I blamed her. I mean, well, look, who, who are you going to blame when you're a kid? Right. Yeah. Someone's to blame. It ain't me. I'm seven. I can't go get a job so I can buy a hamburger. Someone's supposed to do that for me until I'm 16. So you take it out on them. You know what I mean? You have resentment. And I, I think that some of the negative aspects of it, were that you get that dog eat dog mentality. You just don't give a fuck about no one or anything in yourself. And I can see how people get super, you know, selfish and would stab someone in the back and just not have any remorse or don't feel bad. You know what I mean? Like, don't you think it, that was like a little bit like a defense mechanism? Like it's you, kinda a, it's, had, it's you learned complete, not to care because it hurt too much to care. That's right. And if yeah. you're not, if, if you're not, you don't care and you're not hurt, then you're, you're winning yeah. the game. Like right. you're, survived, you're surviving. Yeah. Well, I was the opposite. Everything hurt me. Everything was terrible. And I have the worst ADD, but to get back to my point was the, the first time I saw on someone's face that I impressed them, I was a dick. That was my crack. I was like, that felt so good. And I felt this. I remember walking home that night and just going, you know, he's like, come back tomorrow. Not because <laughs> you're going to get in Not trouble. Not detention. <laughs> but we'd love you to, you know, keep trying this out. You're good at this. And so I, I just was, I remember I went to bed thinking what else I could do. Like, I want him like, what, what is the next thing I could learn? Yeah, I didn't know anything about gymnastics. They'd show me something and then third try, I would get it. So the next day I learned two more tricks and they, and you know, and then they were like, like astonished and I'm like, well, it's easy, you know? And then, so I think from that day on, I, I finally had a purpose. Like I had something to do and I had something that I, I want to get good at. And I'm like, I don't want to just be good. I don't want anyone to be able to beat me because I've never had this praise or respect. I started noticing other dudes wanted, you know, all of a sudden they want to hang out now. Oh yeah. You know, girls are starting to notice you, you know, you know, usually the guy that, you know, I had to wear my sister's clothes too. I got my sister's hand-me-down. So sometimes it wasn't so I would always clown around and joke. Like 
I was wearing these sparkle cowboy boots as, to be funny. I'm <laughs> like, yeah, but you were wearing them every day, homie. You should see the ones he has now. <laughs> yeah, exactly. If you don't have a pair of sparkle uh, cowboy I mean, boots in your like, wardrobe. John wants yeah, to know what they look yeah, like. Now like, well, I actually we, do have them for Friday nights. But yes, as we all should. Back when you're seven, when you're seven it wasn't that cool. But I, I learned how to make fun of myself. I learned how to not give one crap of what anyone thought about me, but I was truly felt that way. And I think there's a big difference between, you know, you, you know, you tell your kid and I have a kid now that, you know, has a speech impediment and a stutter. And I'm like, you know, I'm like, I don't feel sorry for you. I just, you have to find a way to get through life with this stutter because it, look, you could have cancer. You know what I mean? There's children your age that are dead. So buck up. No, not not taking anything away from him. Like, I feel horrible that he has it, but it's not the worst thing on the planet. And I I, I want to I kind of try to reiterate to him. I'm like, homie, look at your surroundings. Look at what you have. And I don't want to be the dad that's like, oh, I walked up, you know, two hills to get to school with barefoot in the winter and da da da. Both ways. Yeah, that's the one. <laughs> Um, you know, I'm like, that, that has nothing to do We've with, heard it. with yeah. well, that has nothing to do with his life. Yeah. And I want his life to be, I want it to be pampered and I want him to have everything that he needs. I want to create opportunities with his music and whatever he wants to do. I want to be able to support it and then leave something behind when I'm gone. So he has a fair shot at life. But the only thing I demand is I want him to respect it. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And and how Boy, do you, do I know what you mean. how do you teach a kid that you're spoiling to respect? I mean, I don't think you understand love till you go through a real heartbreak. I don't think that you understand relationships until you've had about thirty of them. You know what I mean? Well, maybe not thirty. I'm such a slut. Uh, I was about to say, I've had 30. I was like, but 30 relationships? What's the duration (laughs) to qualify a relationship? I mean, it was the sparkle boots, though. It was the sparkle boots. Yeah. But I, and and again, I've always been in a relationship. I've never been, I don't think I've ever been single. I'd go from growth because I, 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 I was a well, crutch. Look, let me tell you, it's not that great. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> As the single but, one over here, that's yeah. perpetually single. But, I, but then I was also the kid where like, I wanted a girlfriend. I wanted so because I just wanted that companionship because I didn't have it anywhere else. Yeah. So it was more than just, a, it was a relate. It was like, you are going to be my best friend and, and, and we're going to, you know what I mean? I'm, I want to be around you all the time. I want, you know what I mean? I wanted that. I, I ate dinner at my girlfriend's, my high school girlfriend, Lisa Pollock. I probably ate dinner at her house every night for four years. Wow. Oh, like I was part of their family. Like, that's just what, you know, I, that's just what I did. And it became, you know what I mean? And, and I think I was afraid of being single. Yeah. I was afraid of not because uh, also once you get a girlfriend and you've never had anyone even pay attention to you. Right. You feel like, I mean, I remember my, the first girl I ever kissed, I thought we get married. <laughs> this is it. Like, I'm like, this is the only one. It definitely ever, skews your perspective, right? I mean, it, it, like, it, it definitely does. changes the way that your lens, right? Of like things it, like that. Yeah. And she wasn't yeah. the most attractive girl in the world. She didn't have it. Like she wasn't the cool kid. She was just super sweet and honest and true. And, and I, I became addicted to, also finding the right people 
So it's never the guy to kind of go after the hottest chick in school. I just didn't even couldn't even be bothered with it. A, I thought, just they're always out of my league. Wait, even my wife. Have you seen his wife? Yeah. Well, yeah, she's gorgeous. Yeah. I, I was I, gonna say. I, I, Literally, he learned very quickly to go after that hot girl because yeah. he got her. Yeah. Once, <laughs> once I got to those southern women, I was like, hold up. Oh, those well, southern women. That. Are, yeah, yeah, they're the best. I was like, you want some pecan pie? Uh, but even when I, and you'll ask her, and Ginger knows this too, is when I first started dating her, I was very kind of nonchalant about it because yeah. I thought she was way out of my league until I sat with her for a day and, and got to know her mind. And, and I mean, then she became so much more beautiful that it was like terrifying. And that, and, and I had it in, uh, I don't know how long been like smitten by a girl where I'm like, please God, let this be the one, let this not be fake. Yeah, that's like, you know what very, I mean? Oh, and it awesome. was, and it was, it was one, you know, and it's weird that throughout my life and just, I was just telling someone the other day, and this is, I don't know if this is even going way off the the um the path that we were on but i was talking about how someone asked me the question do you feel like you know i mean they're obviously like you know not to sound pompous but you know they're like you're rich now like you look at all the stuff you have and all the things you know that you got and then i'm like and i'm like every time someone mentions that i actually have to look back and go huh i do have a very comfortable house i have a very comfortable living i'm i'm so fortunate that even in times like this, that I'm able to have some money in the bank. So I have time, you know what I mean? And I felt, you know, and like, do you feel guilty? And I'm like, I, guilty of what? Like guilty because I worked my ass off and made this happen because it may seem like this happened overnight and it, it, it was easy, but I'm like, it wasn't easy. And we struggled the first probably 17 years. We struggled pretty hard. And it almost felt like I was in a really nice house, but now I got to pay for it. So that same struggle that I had when I was little transforms into a struggle of now I'm taking care of my family and I don't want to lose what I've got. You get to a point in your life where you go up and up and up. If you level off, we're all fine with that. That's not an issue. It's, you know, you don't want to go backwards. And if you do, you do. And the one thing that I can, you know, what I love about, and which is why I married Shay, is that she's, you know, we, I talk, I have the conversations. I'm like, look, my industry is weird right now. I may not have a job, you know, in the next coming year. Um, and she's like, well, then, you know, we sell our house and we, you know, we, we, uh, you know, we'll just do what we got to do. And I'm like, oh, 90% of the stress just left my body because I knew that I'm not with someone that I have to maintain this to maintain her. Okay. There's now, not that many, there's a lot of women in this town that are, I think there's a lot of women everywhere, everywhere that put but pressure, especially out here. Put, like, it's like and the cliche Hollywood star. Yeah. Well, yeah, but, but, yeah. Believe me, if she I wanted mean, a sugar daddy, she'd not be with me. Right. I mean, I'm saying, you know, <laughs> I, I love her, but I'm but sure there's a lot of women. I better. feel like too, that maybe that, marry men or you know have long-term relationships with men yeah and on and the men, rise and, and then they but women. they get comfortable or, or women men too. Do it to women or men, yeah. yeah but they get comfortable well, and then all of a sudden there's a you know there's a little bit of threat that that's going to go away yeah. and not every woman would be like Shay. No, of some course. would be like wait yeah. but yeah have, but the point yeah. the point being is that same way i felt when i was a little kid yeah i yeah. feel now 
Mm-hmm. And the, the what made me think about it and tripped me out is that, you know, I think the biggest compliment you could give someone is says, you know, you have a good soul. Like you have a good, that's like saying, you know, you can be beautiful. You can be cool. You can be funny. You can be this. When someone looks at you and says, you have one of the best souls I've ever met. They're talking about just the way you, they feel around you and, 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 and all the goodness that is exudes from your, from your body. And when I was little, but then I started thinking, I feel say, the same way internally, that inner voice that you hear talking to yourself when you're little and, and you know, the oil is gone. So now you got no heat, you're freezing and you're talking to yourself and you're crying and you're just, you hate everything. And the way you think and have that conversation with yourself is the same exact person, same age, same everything that I did when I thought, if I can't work, what am I going to do? What, I, what other job am I going to do right now? I don't. My job is photography. I live, eat, and breathe it. And I do everything in my power every day to keep that going. And I've been super fortunate. But it's been because of the hard work I put in. So I deserve it. Do you know what I mean? But it's weird. Isn't it weird when you think about like when you sat in high school and your boyfriend broke up with you and you were so sad, that inner voice. You get sad now. It's that same inner voice. It doesn't seem like I got any older in my soul. I just got older. But when I talk to myself and when I got excited about something, that's that that thing. And that's why I think that our souls can't die. Like, I think that that's something that's been with you or maybe in a past life. I don't know. And I'm like one that's not, I don't get into debates about um, religion or afterlife yeah. or this. I'm like, I just believe that because of my experience with myself mm-hmm. that that something exists it's and possible. i don't know if, i don't know yeah. i don't even know if we're supposed to try to figure it out it's like you know if you could if you could that you know that question of you could see the future you know and then you try to change something to know not cuz you know that's not going to happen would you do it and yes. if and and <laughs> Some things, some nights, some after parties, some men I've dated. Yes, there is no need for me to act like every single thing was a lesson I needed to learn in that way. Some of the things I would not change. Isn't it part of the journey? And that journey can be changed just a little bit if I go back and just whisper in my ear and be like, do not go home with that person. Do not give that person your number. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Yes. There's a few little size dips. There's a few little size dips. I wouldn't change a lot, but oh, if I had the power, I would definitely go in that little computer of Donzel. But then you know, (laughs) but then there's that question of like, then if you did, it might have been worse. Yes. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. But but I I don't know. It just it's weird to think of. um, Well, here's the, the the funny part about me is that. I look like the average, you know, blonde-haired, blue-eyed. I look like the typical American. And and I try to live my life like, uh, hey, I'm, you know, I'm super, to, to some people that you don't know me, I can be super annoying, very loud. When I was little, my cousin, when I was cleaning my ears, hit my hand and punctured my eardrum. So I'm, a lot of people know this, but my left ear, I'm almost fully deaf. 
And so I'm super loud when I talk sometimes, especially in restaurants. I've had people come over and tell me, you need to quiet down. And I remember this one lady in a stuffy restaurant came over and she's like, could you do me a favor and shut up? And I was like, excuse me? She goes, you are the loudest, most annoying person I've ever heard. And I'm like, well, I'm deaf in one ear. So that she goes, I don't give a shit if you're deaf in two ears. And I was like, and my friend looked at me the right across the table. He what? never stopped eating. He looked at me. He goes, let it go. Let it go. Because <laughs> he could see me. I was like, my jaw dropped. And I was like, you inconsiderate, selfish, pompous. Yeah. I'm going to literally throw spaghetti on this girl. Oh and we all but I did it. And then my friend's eating. My friend's eating. You know, and he's like, let it go. You're like, let it go. And I'm like, usually he'd be the first one to stand up and be like, I'm sorry. What did you just say to my friend? And the fact that he was so like, let it go, like calm. And then we eat, he, he wipes his little spaghetti off his face. He goes, he goes, I think that's the mayor's wife. We should probably get going. No way. Yeah. Oh. It was in New York city. Oh, or wow. something. Yeah. And I was who like, uh, you know who, oh. who am I always with? Yeah. 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 Oh, so funny. I knew I was like, Oh, Oh yeah. <laughs> and like, should I go over positize? He said, no, we should just leave. Like, oh, like, wow. before, so I, you know what I mean? So, but it's, it, you know, I don't know. I don't even Sorry. know what we're talking about anymore. Uh, it's okay. <laughs> there's, there's a good part of this story that I think is the most helpful to understand is that I, I became a very good gymnast really fast. So by the time I was in seventh grade, I was, you couldn't even, it, the, the level I was at in junior high was almost holding me back because I was, I was so much better than everyone else that there was no competition. So, you know, I started competing and, and training with, um, the, the middle, the, the high school kids. And then my friend, I had a friend, Mark Head, who was also a gymnast that kind of went to the same school and I became really good friends with him. And I, so I kind of felt like I was on his levels as a gymnast. And then my older brother, Willie, was a gymnast in high school too, but he was, he was a lot older. So I just, I, I, I had this plan of like, or now that's just what you do. School wasn't school anymore. School was, you know, where you ate, where you ate. Um, and then where you went and did gymnastics, that was school. Cause we had free lunch. So breakfast and lunch were both free and you eat at school. And a lot of times, even if you had dinner, at least you had, you, you had two, two meals a day, which was more than most people in my neighborhood had. You know what I mean? So it was, that's what life became. I mean, all through high, until high school. And I got, I got addicted, but there was a, you know, Joe Keza, who was the coach uh, on the junior high team. And he was assistant coach of the high school team. Saw, he saw my situation and my schools were very inner city, you know, schools where you could, you could see potential. I think you could see where kids are straying off. Cause I was straying off. I was, I was not, I was not doing the right things. I was selling diet pills, telling people it was speed, trying to, you know, make a quick buck. And I was going down the path where I would have got shot probably pretty quickly. And, uh, and, and you know, and so then, loud. <laughs> <laughs> and then I was like, <laughs> oh my. Uh, so, so I kind of, you know, he taught me, or he tried to teach me the, the value of you can go to college you can like, this is an outlet for you to get out of where you are. And he yeah. knew that I needed to get out of where I was or it wasn't going to happen. I had some bad years in the interim where I was like a dick and I was not having it. And I was kind of getting 
bored. I even, I even quit gymnastics um, for a year and then I joined the hockey team. But then when I joined the hockey team, I realized, oh, I don't even know how to ice skate. But I'm like, I showed up and tried out and joined. And they're like, what? you can't skate. But it was the first year they had a team. So they needed a second goalie to sit on the yeah. bench to play. And I'm like, well, I'll be a goalie. And then by the second um, second year, I even started a couple games. So I learned, you know, and I got it. It was just like, wow, you know, now I'm playing hockey. Like hockey is an expensive, rich sport when you're a kid. You know what I mean? Even the equipment, like, you know, but it, it just kind of worked out. And that kind of gave me a break from gymnastics. But then I went back. Of course, I went back to gymnastics because, you know, I needed chicks to dig me and I wasn't in the paper anymore. And so I I, I, I fell back in the gymnastics and then I kind of was like, listen, all right, I need to take this life seriously and I need to get, get on the path again. And he kind of took me. I actually moved in with him and, you know, uh, he groomed me to get a scholarship to get out of the town and you know and kind of said there's a whole world out there besides Syracuse that you you know it's all there you know and people always say if you really work hard and go after something it's possible yes for most people and and then I you know then you see the flaws in society you know you see the flaws in being white versus being black you see this that I saw I saw with my own eyes opportunities that opened up to me because of the color of my skin. There's there's no there's no if ands or buts about it. Um, and I saw that we th- that one of the biggest problems was opportunity and having opportunities, having someone give you a pair of skates so you can learn how to skate, having someone, you know, be there to support you and say you could do gymnastics. And, and, you know, and it was the, there were, there were very special programs and one of them was called EOP, Equal Opportunity Program. And it was basically for inner city kids that got into colleges that needed a little help. So I got in, I got partial scholarship and then I got that program, which allowed me to go in and in, in, in graduate with a degree from college. With, what was your degree in? I forgot. Um, psychology and criminology. And um, I thought I wanted to be, uh, you know, help ki- help children. You know what I mean, and 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 Sense. and coach them into what I experienced and how I got out. Yeah. Um, and I'll admit, when I was doing my thesis, going into a room with an abused kid, yeah. that you know, there's nothing you can do for this kid. Yeah. And you see how sad. But then you have these moments of where he's so happy and he looks for, you know, and he's like, you know, and I remember that they're so affectionate and so like he'll, there'll be a kid in my lap and he'll just look over and hug you. They're so desperate. They're so desperate. So sad. Yeah. And I'm like, it's like, I can't go to the pound. I'm like, I will take every freaking animal (laughs) out of here. And I feel like I just could just set it free, but I'm like, that's how they got here in the first place. (laughs) You know what I mean? But like, you know, what can I do to, you know? So I learned and I learned, the way I grew up that if you can have one kid or, or change one person's life, that is enough. You know what I mean? Try to do whatever you can. And I, I still try to do whatever I can. I still, even the proceeds from my book are went to the program that fed me school lunch, you know, full circle. Yeah. You know what I mean? And I think that there's people that dedicate their lives, which are true 
heroes and those are true angels that dedicate their lives to specifically helping you know like i'm going to yeah. just like dedicate their, my their life and i'm going to be poor my whole is, life yeah, yeah. and i'm going to do this and i'm going to come home heartbroken every night i think that some of those are our teachers Absolutely. i think teachers have the worst job now they're getting job like it's not like it used to be and and i don't know about um most schools but i know about the school where my son went and versus the teachers that where i went your teachers where you went are literally here let me I'm going to bring you a toothbrush tomorrow. Yeah. So you can brush your teeth at school. Um, they're looking out for like, do you have socks? Yeah. You're not wearing socks. And then all of a sudden in your desk, there's a pair of socks They're They are basically, you know, they're, you know, they're more than teachers. They're way more than teachers. Yeah. And, and they, and you know, and, the, and that's what, you know, kids need. And let me tell you right now, when I was little, a pair of clean socks was gold. It was gold. Like, I, I remember some of the biggest fist fights I ever got into was when my brother would take my socks. <laughs> because it, you think it doesn't it doesn't seem like a huge thing. You're like, what? Socks? Like, I put socks on every day. I throw them away. I You know, but when you've only got two pair, you know, your feet can get pretty damn funky. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? So you, yeah, you got to kind of, you got to take yeah. them and you wash them off in the sink. Hopefully they dry by the morning. You know what I mean? In the winter, impossible. Yeah. And you don't have a washer and dryer. Let me tell you about cold and wet. It does not dry overnight. So the the you know it would dry during school. Your body heat when you got to school and the warmth. By the time you got home, they would be dry. But it's like no, you know, when you think about when I think about what I have now, and someone back to you when you know people people. Oh yeah, here's where I was going to tie it in. I love when I remember something. Okay, but I remember like you know like we're here, hey, we're, look, we're in, right? Yeah. Either way, we're still in. I look like this blonde-haired, blue-eyed guy coming to a party. I'm the life of the party just because that's who I am. It's not a gimmick. I've got the hottest wife on the planet. I don't need anyone. I don't need friends. Like I can have. I I'll go out and with a homeless dude and could probably have the best time of my life. I literally just I get after life. Um, that can, some people take that the wrong way. Some people take it as arrogant. Some people like, why is it, you know, this guy just, I can't deal. Some people love it. You know what I mean? And then some people are, you know, are like addicted to be around me because of the energy that I put out there. And I'm like, those are the only ones I care about. And those are the ones that, that understand me. And those, and you know, you're not, I don't care who you are. You're not going to impress everyone. You know what I mean? I remember I, I, Someone's asking me, like, who in Hollywood have you not shot that you want to shot? And I'm like, every time, Brad Pitt. I'm like, how the fuck have I never worked with this guy? I've worked with everyone in this damn industry. And then I'm like, if if I ever worked with him, he'd love me. And I'm like, I got this I, fantasy I'm that we're going to be. I with him still to this I know. day. And I'm just like, it doesn't you co- want me to carry your camera bag that <laughs> yeah. day yeah. when you do finally yeah. shoot him? But it's almost yeah. like, I, I, when I was starting out, I had dreams of one day being able to shoot Brad Pitt. I was Because yeah. I, I did acting before I was a photographer. Yeah. And I studied Brad Pitt. And I studied every movie. And I knew how brilliant he, he was. Just, not just gorgeous. Yeah. And repeat, yeah, that guy good. was, he's an amazing, he's one of the best actors of our generation. 
and he's and kind of like the hard. Robert Redford of our it, generation. It, absolutely. I think. Although he just quit. because people Did you know he just quit the business though. No, you hear that? What? He's starting he some new company or something. I was like, who? What? Brad Pitt. I'll right. give him a so, call tonight. There we go. Yeah, please. Wait, okay, can I interject something though? Because you know Brad Pitt was on Friends, right? When he uh-huh. was dating Jen. You know who else was on Friends as an actor? Mm-hmm. You know who mm-hmm. you know who made out with Jim when you Brad was in the friends? audience? Yes. Mm-hmm. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Was, wait, keep going. Wait. Now you're talking about making out. Wait a minute. Uh-uh. I don't. Oh, yeah. He was on friends. Yeah. I was yeah. I, I was I was <laughs> Jen's I was a college NYU student soccer player that um she was using to make Ross jealous. Oh my gosh, this is great. Yeah. <laughs> He was like a very dumbed down version of yourself. Yeah, yeah. yeah he was kind of stupid. Um, and you're yeah, not had, anywhere near I had, that. I had big yeah. aspirations of being an actor. Like when I, you know, I mean, who doesn't when you come to this town? But I was getting some pretty good. I was starting to actually do very well. Mm. Um, but I've got pretty bad dyslexia and pretty bad um, short-term memory. Mm. So if I could have the lines... And I studied them, and I knew the I knew what the role was, and I knew most of the lines. My um, improv skills are are impeccable, so I would crush it. All right, uh, you give me a you know four pages of dialogue. Say go study it, and then come back, and we're gonna read through it. I literally couldn't read it. I couldn't read to not, like I couldn't read it straight up. Let alone try to act it out with another person in an hour. I I, I almost was uh, uh, Margaret Cho did a show. Oh, my friend's her manager. Okay, Not well, manager, sorry, publicist. Yeah. Well, I went She's and awesome. I did this audition and I I guess I crushed the audition because I was leaving. Halfway home, my manager called me and said, turn around. They're bringing in Margaret and they want you to read for producers. You've got the part. Wow. And I'm like, wait, what? And so the anxiety... But then I'm like, all right, you got this, no worries. And I got there, came back, and there was like, now there's like, you know, everyone's like, well, yeah. And they're all like, all oh, paying attention. And I'm just like, I can't believe this. And then they give me this big stack of papers and they go, go run over this. And when she gets here, we'll run through. And I remember I went out and I'm I'm in the thing and I'm like, this isn't what we did. This is new. new. <laughs> and I'm like, uh, oh no. And so I'm like, all right, you got this. And I was trying to talk myself into it. And I, you know, by the time I got, I only got through like two pages. I'm trying to memorize everything, not yeah. just read it. Most people can read a script and kind of act it out. Yeah. They're looking at the lines. It's not like I couldn't look at the paper. It would, you know, but when I look at the paper, I see something, you know, completely different. Now you add anxiety to that. And then you're in front of Margaret Cho. You're like, ugh. And um, I went in to, uh, I think she even said something. She goes, oh. You're pleasant on the eyes, you know, something like, and I was just like, oh, you know, whatever. Thank you. You know, I'm just kind of like, and then automatically I'm thinking, oh, well now she likes me too. So this is, this is real, you know? And then, uh, we started reading and I couldn't, I couldn't even get the first line out. And I was like, oh, I need a second. And then I literally looked at everyone and go, I'm sorry. Can't like, I just can't. And everyone was like, I'm sorry. What? <laughs> and I said I I quit, and I I quit acting that day. Went home. Wow. My manager was like, "What the fuck did you do?" You're like, "What I did know, you do? You I had it." This. They're sending over. They were talking about contracts, and I was like, "I can't remember." I got and I and I got so angry, and I'm like, "I," and I just was like, 
I felt that pressure again, like from mm-hmm. the li- from the little kid again. I felt society yeah. closing in on me. I felt my 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 you know because I can't read. I felt all that like you know like you know here's where it all comes back full circle and your life ends. You know what I mean? Like just when I was getting going, and I, like she said, I was on Friends. I was doing, uh, you know, six national commercials a year. I was making more money than I've you were ever working. had. I was working. And I was he doing, was working. People, you yeah. don't understand. For a six national commercials. Yeah. And that was back when there was a big deal. Yeah. Yeah, and and then, yeah. then I was, was my friend money. Gabe put me in a movie. Then then um I directed uh, I directed a, a TV show that he was doing. Like I was, it was I had a good in. And, and I just had, I had everything else except the fact that I just, I knew that I wouldn't be, I knew that actors would hate me because you need to be on, you need to do your part so they can do their part. So the most important thing as an actor is when, when I, cause I went to acting school in New York, I went to Meisner school and That's you know, what I've been doing. yeah. And so, and you, so, you know, it's like what I do depends on what that. you it's do. All on your partner. So I need to give you something. If I want to make you cry, I've got to look into your eyes and you've got to look back at me and go, holy shit. He's really yeah. sad. Yeah. Cause you can, you almost started crying in the middle. I'm like, I can't believe I'm about to cry. We didn't even start this damn thing. <laughs> I'm like, I know I'm a wussy, but well, like. Well, clearly those acting classes are working out well. <laughs> yeah, good job. But you know what I mean? Like, you know, I feed off emotion, which is why when I looked in my coach's eyes and I saw that I impressed him and I knew that he was shocked. Like, damn. You know what I mean? And it's just like when you're on a date and they look at you different. Then you get those goosebumps and you you don't want to go home. And you're and you think about them like that's that's what life is because they see you. Yes, yeah. exactly. And that's to 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 sum up all the rambling I've done is that I wanted people at a very young age to see me. Yeah, I wanted to be noticed. I didn't want to. I wanted you to see me, and not only did I want you to see me, I wanted you to want to stop and find out about me because I would have told you everything about me. I don't have. I didn't have. I didn't care if I was poor. But I'll tell you why we were poor. It, it, you know, it's like I it never was I it was never my fault. Like I asked my my father, who and that's a whole <laughs> that's part that's two. That's a whole that's that's part two of the podcast. <laughs> That'll be when you come back. That's yeah. <laughs> but um, you know, why you why did you leave us? Why did you leave us straight? Like we were we didn't have dinner. You were like this middle class architect. Like what the f- what? Why would you do that? And he, you know, and then he finally, when I was older and I graduated college and he's like, you know, I'm super proud of you. Like, wow. Like, then I saw in his eyes that he was impressed. And that was a weird thing. And and I got him and I just asked him and he's like, well, your mother, you know, she, she made it impossible. I tried. And I thought, you didn't try, really try. Cause, and, and then, I, you know, now you get older and you're like, oh, wait. Sometimes maybe he did. And he's like, I tried, I tried. And then I remember one time where we did, because we used to see at visitation every other Sunday. And I remember one Sunday we went there and he asked me and my brother Keith, do you want to live with me or do you want to live with your mom? We were like, well, with you. And I remember uh, going to bed that night and he said, okay. And I think that he was trying to go to court. We, yeah. And then the next day the police came. And I think my mother found out that he was thinking this. And she said that he kidnapped us. And that was the last kind of like the last kind of, that was it. Then he, he just kind of gave up. And it was well, like. Well, I think he probably gave up to 
Well, he, I mean, it was, he, he I actually, think he had any choice, right? Yes, like, I don't think maybe he, I think it was less of a choice than you think it was right. in, when you were younger. So I grew up my whole life hating him and thinking yeah. that it was his fault. You, you could have took care of us. You could have helped us. We wouldn't have been in this situation. It wasn't for you. And then I didn't realize there's always a story. There's always another side. Yeah. And, and that kind of opened my mind up midlife to remember that lesson that don't ever judge people or don't ever assume, you know, you don't know what's going on with someone's life or mind. Uh, w- one of the benefits from going up the way I did and uh, one of the, the, the positive things where I'm like, you know, you have to, you have to think positive to get anywhere. You've got to, you've got to get rid of grudges. You've got to get rid of competition. You've got to get rid of, even to the point where I was like, I want win so bad. I wanted to win so bad. So people would like me. You know what I mean? Then I just, then I didn't, you know, I didn't realize that, you know, wanting to win that bad to get people to like you wasn't healthy. It was, you know, I wanted to be good, but I I did. And then I got rid of like, just trying to like, like destroy someone. I want, I wanted my friends to do good. I didn't mind third place. I didn't mind second yeah. place. You know what I mean? But when I got first place, I was super proud. And it made me, you know, think when you got first place, you deserved it. You won. You did something that other people didn't do. And you got recognized for it. So I use sports as a basis for everything that I do. I used it for acting. I would have, you know, just like I would go to gymnastics in college, you know, an hour before school and then four hours after school every day, even in the summers. So you work, you worked at it, you worked out. So for acting, I would go over lines or try to act out movies and do things to every day further what I wanted to do. Photography, I, you know, I still session out or go play around and try new techniques. Um, You know what I mean? And and try to learn different things. My last show, my show that's up in the like a gallery now is from an idea that I had a dream about and had no idea that it was going to be what it is. And it turned out like I was like, whoa, this is it. Like, this is incredible. Like, and I'm not sounding arrogant. It was just like, I couldn't believe what was happening and what was coming through. And it's called just to, if, to, to give you guys a visual, it's called Dancing with Your Angel. And it's this really slow, um, long, long, long shutter with just two constant lights. So I would have them almost dance. And then I would tell them to freeze for two seconds. And when you froze for two seconds, the light would expose an image. But then when you moved, it'd be motion blur. So So when I started doing it, this one girl was like, I don't know what to do. Like, I feel weird. She kept throwing her arms up. But she was standing there when she did it. Mm. So it looked like a pair of angel wings. And when I saw it, I was like, you don't know what you're doing because you look like a complete angel. And when we looked at the picture, we both were so freaked out because she's like, wait, it really like it really did. And then as I was going through and I picked certain women, um, one that I knew that was going through this incredibly, you know, hard time in her life. And, and, and there is a literal demon leaving her body. In the photo. And then there is an angel to the right. It's there's three of them. And she said, and and it was such an emotional, and this is what I love about 
what I do is that I had no idea this late in my career, I'd be in my garage experimenting, crying with each different girl. Some just so happy. Some that were just like, just for the experience, but some that were like, I feel like that was what was holding me back in life. Like it was almost like a a resurrection or a a baptism, Mm -hmm. you know? And it's like, how powerful is that? That you could, you know, from my background and what I wanted to do through now what I was born to do, but didn't know it. I'm actually doing what I went to college and wanted to do, which is kind of, which is at the end of the day, just make people laugh, make people happy. And, 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 and if I can, Lessen any kind of burden, even if it's for a day. I'll, I'll hug a complete stranger sometimes and, and and didn't realize. And we'll sit there and I'm like, it's been like 30 seconds. We've been squeezing each other. And, 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 and I remember when I was shooting this girl and we did that. And then she said something like really beautiful. And like, it wasn't, you know, she was like, I just felt you go through me. Like, I, I felt like your awesome. body feel like it just went through me. She's like, you're amazing. And I remember just going, how, like how, what a greater compliment yeah. you can get. And we just had this uh, uh, amazing shoot. And I don't know, you guys know you're, you know, artist or if you want to do an act, like how good is it feeling when you did that first commercial or first voiceover and then you heard your voice and you're yeah, like, that everything. was me. Yeah. That's how I feel after every shoot that goes well and you know you're you're now you're talking on a level where you're like you're working with the a-list actors and actresses that you've grew up watching right and then sharon stone looks you in the eye and goes that was amazing i have a question for you about all of that yeah yes and i'm just like i i swear i just wanted to go yeah (laughs) he's like i want to be like show him up on the camera anyway i have a question about all of that Uh do you think that the because when you kind of when i'm thinking about all the things that you're saying this sort of like theme of like you know being seen right like Uh just being seen has been such a a theme of your life Uh right and the and the people who saw you or the people that became big parts of your life and stayed in your life. Right. Right. Kind of seeing like that essence of you, that soul of Brian, right. Mm -hmm. That we are all, it's, I mean, talk about an infectious person. Like Mm -hmm. we're all addicted to him. Right. Um, But cause I think that when I think about your work as a photographer and obviously you do a lot of work in the entertainment industry for like a lot of the studios. And so you don't get to be as creative, right. You, they have to look like the characters and there's, you know, there's obviously you're a DP. Right. They tell you what they want. It's like the, you know, in a storyboard with an ad agency, it's like, shoot this, shoot that, do this, whatever. But, you know, outside of all of that, because of that infectious personality that you have, you know, like you are the guy that will hug a stranger and and cry with him for 30 seconds or 30 hours, if that's what it takes, right? To feel better, Mm -hmm. both of you. Um, That those relationships, when you're doing that kind of work, has just bled over so much into work with them that's purely creative or they've insisted that, you know, Brian be their photographer, this, that, or the other. And I think when I think of all of your body of work crossing all of those different sort of platforms, right? The super uber creative freedom and the gallery shows. And when you just get to be you and, and all this experimentation, you have this sort of like innate intrinsic ability to see them. 
And like, there's something that you capture. And I think I've just heard people say that about you is that you bring out them set, like you bring it out. And like, so your lens of seeing them as a photographer is exactly what has been the thing that carried you through your own life. That, that desire to be seen has also given you this sort of like talent and gift to see others the way that they want people to see that's, them. That's interesting. And and I, I think that's such, a, I mean, because all I of his stuff, like his portrait things, I mean, there's just, there's like the creative style of it, but I'm talking about just what he kept, the essence of these people that he captures. Like if you look at that Sharon Stone photo, you'll never see another photo of her like that. You'll never see pictures of a lot of these celebrities and there are, Top, top, top tier levels, except for Brad Pitt. We got to work on that. But <laughs> I'm over it. But can I come? Like, but Don Dale and I just want to be I there. I still want you to get that Brad Pitt contract. <laughs> I'm not over it. By the way, I think I, I think that's the the, the most but, common phrase after you mention the word Brad Pitt. Can I come? Can I come? <laughs> yes. <laughs> I don't know. That kind of be a that would be a question. No, I, anyway, I, I, but, <laughs> so but I'm just saying, like, I just because I just feel like if you look at all of your work. All of it, you know, from like the the least creative stuff that you were hired to do in the very early parts of your career to, um, you know, and we haven't even gotten to this book, but, you know, you jumped in a car, you were driving, you were, you were driving yourself crazy because you had no outlet for all this creative energy and you quarantined with a couple of friends, you got out in your F-150 truck and an RV and you went all across America and shot this beautiful, beautiful book about the pandemic, not about it, but during the pandemic. And if there's not a better perfect example of like your ability to see the love and the beauty in life is that you went out there with a couple of friends in an old truck and you shot this amazing book of photo of, of photos and moments across the country when everybody's suffering and there's so much tragedy and there's so much going on with the Black Lives Matter movement, all of these things that happened in 2020, and you created this beautiful piece of art that in somehow, in some way, still celebrates just like yeah. life, right? It, it's it, And I don't think that very many people would be able to capture that. I'm glad they didn't. <laughs> But, oh, you know what I it's mean. A I know, I know. Anybody it's can take a great picture, yeah. but yeah. sometimes people can't see what they're shooting. Yeah. And yeah. I think that that's part of, hey, you're right. I can't, like, I'm worried about getting old in the sense that I'm just like, I don't, there's, I, I feel like I'm just getting started. I'm about to turn 52. And no God matter what damn I've it, done, everybody's younger than me. Sorry. <laughs> not much, girl. <laughs> You know, as long as we don't look it right. Um, but but I feel no like... No one asked your age this episode, <laughs> and she keeps pressing the age. No one is ageist over here. You when she said she was 40, I was like, I didn't yeah. know I was older than Ginger. And I let it go. Yeah. I didn't say anything. But I, I, I think that... Um, I really think that it was... Something told me to do it. Like so, I mean, it was not a... It, I mean... What we actually did, and now that I, I was looking at the book yesterday, and I hadn't. It's amazing, by the way. I didn't really get so to much. see it until. Oh Jeff man, came I really it. haven't. Yeah. You know, I put it together. I did. You know, with my friend Allison, we did everything by ourselves. We, I, I published it. I went out and shot it. Um, I, I paid for the trip. Yeah. I, I just everything 
was, you know, we, you know, my family packed up the books and sent them out. You know, we did everything ourselves. Um, but, a, that's because we had to. But how rewarding, right? Like, but you can't. I don't think I'll ever sit back and. I actually sent um, a copy of the book to you know Sonny Chase um, dad died twice. And he's still here. Just yeah, he's with us. <laughs> Don't Wait, but you it. said died. No, he, he died twice. Yeah, he was he on the just, table. Yeah. One time for 20 minutes. No brain wow. damage. Um, really crazy. Um, anyway, the, 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 one of the, um, the nurses, this, this kind of older gentleman, they're very good friends. And I sent him the book. And his wife was really, you know, happy. She gave it to him. He's sitting in this chair. Very Southern man. Suspenders. I mean, classic, just beautiful, like my dad. beautiful. Yeah. It's like everyone's dad. Yeah. And, um, he just, he, he, he went, what I thought was super interesting. Everyone that got the book, they post it and they're flipping through the whole book and they're going through picture to picture and talking, saying like, you know, they love it or blah, blah, blah. He noticed the first thing was. And he goes, this is Bob. And it's, I, I posted on my Instagram because I think it's super important that he, 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 he got it. And he's like, ready? He goes, no, this guy died. You know, this, you know, that was his truck. And then uh, he goes back and, and, and Josh Brolin wrote the forward. There's one line that, you know, it's like, you know, there's a story. There's always a story. So, and, and that's how, he, that's how the book begins. And uh, he just sits there and he goes, he says, there's always a story. And he just started crying. He didn't even get through but three pictures. Then he went back and he's reading. Do you know what I mean? So I think that his, fo- his, his focus was in the right place, but his heart, but it, watching it touch someone like that. Do you know what I mean? Sonny's friend. What? Yeah. Yeah. The, you know, that, you yeah. know, he's a doc, he's a smart guy. He's yeah. this and that. But, you know, you talk about America and everyone in America. I went all, I mean, we went. All over America and back, eleven thousand miles. The whole purpose of that book wasn't to go document how sad and how messed up people's lives are from this pandemic. It was to really kind of go out and see what's up. And when I left, there were marches about the president, and I got that. Um, then I got. But it was before, like, but you left before the yeah, George then Floyd thing I, happened. I got. Yeah, I actually picture. just yeah. after I left New York City. Yeah. George Floyd happened. Yeah. Had I because I got New York City, ghost town. Yeah. Nothing. Nothing. Times Square empty. Yeah. No police. I parked my truck in the middle of Times Square, no where way. I used to walk. Got out for no one gets to do. For, I was gonna say, who finds a park? Who, who ever finds this parking spot all of Manhattan, let alone yeah, in Times Square? But it wasn't a parking spot. I parked in the middle of the road sideways and took a picture of Pearl oh where gosh. the ball drops. Pearl was the I was, Pearl's I was the in the middle of the street, got out of my truck, and was doing a photo shoot with my truck because I'm like, this is the greatest photo ever. This old F100 in the middle of Times Square with no one and nothing's photoshopped. When is that ever going to happen? That, yeah. yeah, never. Unless the world kind of ended. Which it, well, which it almost it. did. Yeah. We well, all we'll feel like it happens, did, but we're but... Getting, we're coming back. Yeah. But my point was, then I got back in time to get some of the, you know, rioters and some of the evidence of what happened in 2020. Yeah. You know what I mean? So the book is more than just the pandemic. It's more than, it's, it's part of, it's part of, it's going to be a year that 
we were already. It's like when you yeah. say nine eleven. Yeah, tell you me know. 2020. You're talking about a day? Yes. So now you're talking about 2020. You're talking about a year. Talking about more year. people, more entire, people yeah. dying from a pandemic every single yeah. day. Yeah. In, it's in, almost double. It, yeah. It's getting close but to double. More how people many died, died every day than they did all in 9-11. 9-11, yeah. Think about day. that. That's what I'm saying. But it's almost like double what, how many <sighs> died. Yeah. I know. That's why I showed up and voted for who I but, voted but for. But here's, here's, <laughs> here's what I wanted my, my point to be is that when people look at the book, you know, yeah, there are some people that were just sad and, and they could be sad. I didn't, I wanted people to have an opportunity to be happy and celebrate and be like, Hey, do you want to be in a book? And some farmers like, you mean be seen? Yeah. You know, be seen. Exactly. Very. I mean, which is what I felt when you were I always the, the smart one, Ginger. <laughs> well, I don't have but, all but the other know, shit, like, but that's the only thing I have. It's funny because. It gave you, I would see people so excited. And I find them on Instagram. I didn't plan these shoots. Even Reese Witherspoon and, and, and some of the celebs that are in it, they called me. I didn't try to pull strings and go, I need I need some celeb power. But I never thought I would actually get a celeb. We love her, by the way. Yeah. We love her. Everyone does. a teacup, my favorite. But She's I mean, but, but, but the fact that it all happened the same way. They called me. I scheduled a drive-by, which means, you know, that's why it's called drive-by. I would yeah. say, okay show me where you kind of want to do it. And she's like, well, you know, you can just come in my driveway. And so that's what we did. And then she was, and, you know, she came up and, you know, they're saying six feet away. And then she went and I saw her in the rearview mirror and I'm like, oh, this is kind of cool. And then I turned around and she was just looking at me through the window. And she wasn't smiley, Reese. She wasn't, this, she was very serious. You know what I mean? And her take on the book was, I don't want to smile. I don't want to smile right now. And I'm like, you know, you, but you can, she's like, I don't want to, this is, I think this is important. And I thought it was very interesting Yeah. to where, you know, then someone else is completely laughing and you know, they were like, I just, you know, I am happy. I'm happy to be out of the house. Sometimes people laugh through the tears. Yes, I do. I'm very much like that. I try to act like nothing's wrong, you know, and then inside I'm like, (laughs) (laughs) you know, but I, I, and I and I, I think that I'm I'm more happy seeing people's reaction to the book and seeing how people see it differently and how when how some people are just so like you create and I'm like I didn't create a masterpiece I didn't I don't feel like I've did what some journalist did during Vietnam I don't feel like I did you know and then someone said you did whether you believe it or want to believe it or not. And I looked through the book yesterday when I really just had some time by myself. And I remember every second of every picture. Right. I remember talking you know the to them. I, I remember talking to them. I remember the story. I remember, you know, how, how do you direct someone when you can't get out and touch them or talk to them and talking to them through the window with a mask on, which was the weirdest shit ever, not being able to hug them. Yeah. You know, it was a challenge and a, and it was not an easy journey and thank goodness my friend Evan who I brought along documented it so eventually which hopefully Jeff will help me um we're going to get this documentary out there that shows of course you will yeah you know shows how this really happened because when I see a photo I know I look at a photo different obviously because of who I am and what I do 
um, doctors look at people differently. Right. Because they might know you have cancer. Yeah. That's what you have. It's like watching two of an editor, a, my husband. That's it's right. like, oh my God, that was a bad, that was a very inconsistent blow. Yeah. And I'm then like, when you he, just ruined the fucking Yeah. Movie. You break it down. Like, <laughs> I'll look back at someone's spaghetti they're eating in a movie, and when they change angles, I'm like, oh, that spaghetti's half gone. <laughs> that's what Jeff does. Yeah. It makes, I'm like, yeah. oh my God. So I look at, I I mean, I look at the world. Now I see the world through a lens, if you may. And so um, it's just like when I used to be a skater, I would see the world as a skate park and I would stop and take, you know, like, oh, that rail is sick. We have to remember this corner. And I remember where the street was. So then when I was, you know, going on a session, I'd go back there. You know what I mean? So each, you know, each stage in my life um, and again, treating everything again, like an athlete. Um, I think athlete, if, if, if anyone out there listening that did athletics and actually trained at something, not just went to soccer when you were four, because your mom wanted to flirt with, you know, the other dads that were there. It's the hot coach. Yeah. The hot coach. It always gets them. That's for you, Jeff. Those damn tight shorts. (laughs) Um, but you, 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 you treat life like that and you treat anything that you do. You can do it like that, which means you set time to dedicate yourself to making yourself better. You, you you see how how this can become positive. And if you suck at a sport and you just hate it and you didn't want to go to practice, I'm like, just quit. You don't have to do it. That's why I didn't have to continue acting, even though everyone was pushing me into it and telling me I was crazy. Like you, wait, you so you went to school for it. Now this was your life for 10 years and now you, you're going to quit. I'm like, when I know it's time to quit, I quit. And when I quit, it's done. When I walk away from something, it's because I'm starting something new. So I'm not, it's not, it wasn't a failure. I didn't fail. I you just, were just changed. Turning the page. No, you were on friends. You were on friends. You did yeah. not fail yeah. at all. <laughs> no. <laughs> no, and you know, and I did, I think I, I think acting got me to California. Acting got me, everything was a stepping stone to where I am right now in my life. And here's the fun, the kid, for all the people out there too, that are like, because this is the worst for me is just to see someone struggling in their photography career and thinking that I can help them. Thinking that I have this magic hand because of my experience and all that. I'm like, I can show you because people are like, I want to be your assistant. I would do anything to assist you. I'm like, no, you don't. I said, do you know what an assistant is? Because an assistant means you're dedicating three to four years of your life to help me get better. That's what an assistant is. Now, in the interim, you gain an education that you'll never gain anywhere else. But it's the time that you have to dedicate to me because here's what you want to do. You want to come see how I light stuff. Then you go home and practice it. Then when you think you're at the level that I'm at, you're just going to go out and start doing what I do. And then you'll start working. That's how you're supposed to look at things. You want to further your career. I assisted for years and years and years before I even attempted to start doing photography. You know what I mean? I knew, like, I sat down and I got the opportunity to assist one of the most iconic photographers of our generation, her Brits. So I knew I did what he told me to do. And what he told me to do from day one was you listen to my assistants and they have to like you and they have to have you back. You can come to a couple shoots. I can make that happen. But if you want to stay, that's up to you and that's up to them. So I cleaned up cigarette butts. I cleaned up waters, gave people drinks, did whatever it took. 
and I stayed in my lane. I did not try to impress anyone. And I'm friends with Herb. You know what I mean? He shot me for a gap campaign. Like I was talent. Like I went to his house for a party. So it's not like I couldn't pull strings and be like, you know, you know, me and Herb are kind of tight. You might want to, you know, I, I respected what he was saying, which was there are rules to this game and there are rules to how you can stay in it. And if you take it serious. So I had to prove to these guys who three weeks before were catering to me on set. Yeah. Now I'm like, do you need a water? You know what I mean? And and I'm like, I have no, I had no problem. With it. I was like happy. I mean, you got the coldest water. There wasn't a bit of dew on it. The cap was <laughs> half screwed off. And I waited till you were done and I would hold it for you. Yeah. And I don't, yeah. it, and it doesn't, it doesn't matter. You know what I mean? And I think that that's what, you know, I learned through from bleeding hands from gymnastics and, you know, you know, all the pain and soreness, you know, and you're like, I got to get up and do it again. Yeah. And you can't tell your co, I feel, Sore today, you know, it's like, do you want to, you know, you want, you want to be at the level you're going to be at, you get, you know, unless you, if you can't walk, I get it. You know what I mean? But if you can walk, get your ass in the gym. Yeah. (laughs) There's so much to like unpack that I think it's so amazing with so much of what you said. One of the things that always stuck out to me or, and that also speaks out, sticks out about the overall message is how much of our childhood carries over into our adulthood both good and bad. Right. So much of our rewards are because of the tenacity or the uh, creativeness that we had as a kid. So much of our like struggles and how we cope is because of the way that we didn't have those tools as a kid. And then as an adult, we think we're supposed to have those tools, but we don't. And it's our job to figure out like, well, you know what? When I was growing up, I didn't get this lesson. I didn't get these tools. So it's okay to say, I need help. I need to learn this skill or learn how to cope. But one of those was, you know, a a similarity in my growing up was I was allowed to do whatever sport or activity I wanted to do as long as I quit because I genuinely didn't enjoy it. Yes. Right? And that's not a lesson that I found that is taught often anymore. Mm -hmm. It is, oh, if you don't want to do it, you don't have to do it. And then that wasn't the lesson for me. The lesson was, okay, well, you want to quit football. Why? Is it because it's hard, but you still enjoy it and you just don't like that it's hard? Is it because you weren't the star today and your ego took a shot? Or Mm -hmm. is it because you've actually gone out there for a few weeks, you've given it a try, and you are saying in this space and time, you don't like being in this game. Mm -hmm. And if it was that, it was like, okay, great. We'll go try something else. It was never, oh, well, you don't have to do it just because you don't want to do it. And I feel like that's a lot of of where a lot of my success comes from as well, is this idea of like, yeah, it's okay to quit or try something else as long as I'm unpacking the reasons why first. And so many people, we rush that part. We just say like, oh my gosh, it's not going my way. Yes. It's either wrong or I'm in the wrong career or I have to quit because it's not going how I want or my ego took a shot or I'm embarrassed because I made a mistake at work and now I want to quit. And it's like, well, wait, stop, pump the brakes and really evaluate. Like, are you running from something or are you just organically saying like, this is not what makes you happy. And if it's not what makes you happy, okay, cool. You know, it's an interesting point when I just realized right now, out of all my life, I didn't realize is that the blessing of not having parents to give a shit about you is that I didn't have pressure either. Mm -hmm. I didn't have to impress my dad. 
you know, that was like, maybe he was a jock. My dad was a jock. He was a, you know, really good basketball player. And maybe I had, would have had to live up to his standards. Maybe I wouldn't have, maybe if I had a perfect family, I wouldn't have been. If I didn't do gymnastics, I would definitely not be here right now. hundred percent. And, and I guess the lesson I learned was there are paths and I think there are paths for everyone because you can choose not to. Now, now listen, in these podcasts that I've done, it, it, and you know, and here in Ginger Talk, it's like, you're, it's, it's, it's like one, one time someone said, you know, dude, I want your Instagram life. And I was like, me too. I go, you, you know, my Instagram, Instagram is a tool. Social media is a tool to put things out there in the world to make you look better than you actually are. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. So your Instagram life and, what I want to do is show people the hits. You know what I mean? And so I think that that's kind of like what the, the, the uh, difference with how social media can be so much pressure mm -hmm. when it's okay. Like I'm not the perfect person that ever I've had my share of breaking people's hearts. I've had my share of being mean to people or, you know, getting into stupid fights at bars or a few broken tables. Yeah. Uh oh, stories. Yeah. But, but, <laughs> but you know what I mean? Like, and, I, and I've had my, you know, I, I just, I'm not, but I think that I've, I learn and continue to try to be the best person. And I think the biggest lesson I've learned in life and my career is no matter how hard you try to be something, you're, it, you're, it's not, sometimes it's just not possible. Because you're always yourself. You got to be okay with being yourself. You got to be okay with turning the page. You got to be okay with the cards you're dealt. Yeah. You got to be okay with the skin you're in. You got to be okay with getting a little more chubby as you get older. I mean, I think that's what kind of when you said that a minute ago about just like my blessing, you know, my life, my hard life was a blessing. Yeah. And that when you said that, I was just like, that's kind of the point of this whole podcast and these conversations is that even in the, like the most negative, mm -hmm. sad, unfortunate situations like your childhood, mm -hmm. right there, that is a part of your journey that had it not been that way, yes. you may not be where you are. And it, I know it, it sounds like such a cliche to say that like, Oh, no matter where you are in life, you're always living, you know, you're never in the wrong place. You're always living the right life. But, but there's a lot of truth in that no, because it is, is part, Look, it makes us who we are. Yes. And like that, it is the essence of what yeah. your soul is. I can teach my son yeah. and I can give him examples of what it would be like. You want to start going and messing with drugs? Here's what, here's where you're going to live. Here's what your teeth are going to look like. Here's where the rest of your life will be. If you make it, I'm not, I'm not going to hold your hand through this life. I'm going to be there for you a hundred percent of the time. And I'm going to tell you the truth. I'm not going to hide anything. And if eventually you've got to push that bird out of the nest. Yeah. Cause coddling. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. That didn't happen in my neighborhood. Yeah. I think growing up the way I did. Yeah. As much as it sucked. As much as how many tears I could have filled, how many buckets there would have been from when I was actually in it. When you, you think I don't want to be in this life. I don't, this is terrible. You know what I mean? And and no kid should ever have to ever think that. But as you get older and as you 
realize that situations sometimes are the way they are, which is why this pandemic is like, I, it, it, I told my son, you know, he's, you know, the online learning thing, he's having a hard time. And I'm like, yeah, but it could be way worse. Yeah. Like, come on, dude. Yeah. And we can get, we can get through this. You, sometimes you just have to keep moving Yes, <laughs> and you just have to, and there's a frustration that we get when we don't see what the next step will give us. And we're like, well, if I keep moving, I want to know that within the next five steps, I'm going to be at this location. Well, just what you but said. We don't know that. But just what you said right there, your mentality, you know, now you've got a step mentality. Mm-hmm. So I know that you've been through some things already in your life where you said step one, Buck up. Yep. Step two, I, I give Accept myself, yeah, yeah, I get, give myself some, give, give myself some time to, to let this soak in. Mm-hmm. I still get very sad. Mm-hmm. I still get, I may seem like I'm so positive all the time in life. At the party. I'm like, I don't want to be sad. Mm-hmm. I don't want anyone to know that I'm sad. And when I am sad enough to where someone needs to know, I bring it to my wife's attention and tell her, she says that I'm the most neediest mm-hmm. person she's ever met. And that's because, I allow myself to open up and say, you're the one person in this world that when I got a problem, I'm going to tell. Yeah. You know what I mean? So if that's, you know, that's not needy. That's you're my girl. Yeah. That's marriage. That's that's <laughs> marriage. And, you know, and I, you know, and then she knows when it's like, she'll tell me, Brian, come on, <laughs> get over it. I'm like, it's some serious, babe. Like, come on. Yeah. You know, and then I realized, all right, I was being a puss. Yeah. Come on. And then there's times when she, you know, she knows I need to give this boy a big ass hug right now yeah. and let him know everything's going to be okay. Mm-hmm. And I think when you grow up without that, you, you, you create, you want, who doesn't want to be loved? Yeah. You really tell me there's people out there, I, serial killers. Guess what? Half of them do it because they weren't loved. Do you know what I mean? And I really feel like, you know, and I, I, I put them on these posts and I'm like, I sound cliche. I'm sound silly, but I'm like, go hug someone today. Let someone know that you really love them. Let's let love win this damn game of life. Everyone's so divided and angry and pissed off. And I'm like, you know, I'm over it. I want people, I just want, you know, there is no perfect world. Are we ever going to be like, you know, never. Who knows what's going to happen. So I also live my life. And take my career one day at a time because you don't know. You're not promised tomorrow. You're given today. So do the best thing. And I tell you what, I'm happy that one of the first things she says is like, he'll make you laugh. He'll make you, you know, because I think putting a smile on someone's face, no matter how you do it, that that's, it means that you did something right. You know what I mean? You can confuse someone or have a good time with someone. But when you walk away knowing like, oh, babe, I was so funny today. That girl was laughing so hard. Her, her husband. You know what I mean? Like, you just feel like that was cool. And I, and I wonder what. I remember when you met Shay. Yeah. Like when you guys first started dating, the one thing that she, I mean, not the only thing, but like the one thing that she would always talk about with Branch is like, he just makes me laugh all yeah. the time. But like, it means so much for me. That you would come and do oh, this please. and share your wisdom and your story You're and your heart and your heart and your today. soul, but I but I need you to shut up. <laughs> <laughs> Good luck. And that's our and ending. that is our <laughs> ending. That's a wrap, people. And I just told Brian Bowen Smith to shut up because <laughs> like I, I can. Because <laughs> I can. <laughs> oh, I love you guys. I love you, Brian. Thank you. Yay. Hey guys. Thanks so much for tuning in. If you like what you hear, or even if you don't, but you want to hear more, 
please subscribe. Come back. And if there's something in life that's bothering you and it's got you feeling misplaced and you want to talk about it, then reach out to us because we definitely want to hear. Yeah, get in touch. Our website is misplacedlife.com. Check us out. Or you can just slide into our DMs. Did you just say slide into our DMs? Yeah, that's what you do on Instagram when you want to get to notes. Oh my God, you're such a millennial. Yes, Anyway, yes. Okay, people. Slide into our DMs at Insta. Misplaced.life. Nerd. Boomer. <laughs> Freak. Yeah, well, depends on the night. <laughs> <laughs>